0: Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where are we at? Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: word. Yo, so we are back with another amazing episode of the O Word podcast. I'm here with Charlie Talbert, uh, Kenosha legend, I will say. Um, He's he's done what a lot of us here in kenosha uh, would love to do and that's make it out to the big city to the to the stars and lights of hollywood and uh live a dream someone say so charlie man first i want to thank you so much for taking some time out i know you're down in new orleans right now working on some stuff uh thanks for taking some time and
0: joining us how you been Oh Corey man thanks for having me I'm super excited. I especially enjoyed your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. It was awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh yeah, I'm good man. I'm good. I'm 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 living in the pandy, you know, living the pandy life. Uh I I I just, you know, I'm I'm <clears throat> I I I've got a movie I'm going to be working on in Tennessee in like a month or so and then there's another one up in New York that I'm I'm, I'm it looks like it's it's it might happen. So I'm a little like sketchy about that cuz I don't I don't fly anywhere ever, like I don't fly, <laughs> I just don't fly. If I've gotta go overseas, I'll do it, but it, I'm always, no matter what, for the last like six, seven years, I just drive. So so like if I gotta go shoot something in LA, my, my myself is in the car and I'm in LA and I'm there, you know, that, it's as simple as that. So yeah, man, I'm excited to be hanging out and reaching out to uh, my hometown, my hometown, my poor hometown, I love my hometown. This is crazy. I'm so glad that you, you, uh, you know, my cousin, Justin, that's, that's your, you know, once when, you're family with my family, we're family. That's pretty much how it's always worked.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah. We have that connection. And yeah, I would be doing him a disservice if I didn't say shouts out to Justin uh, and shouts out to his YouTube channel, government swing. You guys should subscribe to his channel. He wanted me to say that. I told you I would, I got you, bro. No worries. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But, uh, uh, before we get, like, too deep, I, like, you said you don't fly anywhere. Me, personally, I'm not huge on flying either. Why, like, why did you decide not to fly and just take the, the long drive?
0: Dude, I've never been a fan. I, I was in a plane once uh, years and years and years ago that dropped, like, a you know, 1,000 feet. It was, like, insane. And uh, it was, like, scary. And I've never liked flying, like, since day one. I remember, so we were, I didn't think about it when I went to go do Angus because i had all that excitement of oh my god i'm going to do a movie i'm getting out of here i'm going to be different. and the world is awesome and then uh like uh flying home i was like i got to fly you know Hey, <laughs> like you did it already dude you're good and then the second time i had to fly was for um it was for this movie called the mighty which uh, i was in a running for and and uh this was way back in the day and it was just after flight 800 TWA went down and then like flight 801 went down like two nights before I had to fly back and I'm like, Oh, and I had to fly like TWA or something like that. And I was just like, I want to fly. So there's like fear of, you know, your oversized self should not be 30,000 feet in a metal tube because you don't have wings settled into me over all these years so I just drive if I can drive. Like I go out for pilot season usually, usually every year. Last year I was working on uh, the Watchmen and NCI's New Orleans, so there was no going out for me. I had to stay here because uh, I was shooting up in Georgia. But it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? I get in the car, I drive, I'm there in roughly a day and a half, and you know I also get to see the countryside and I get to think about what I'm gonna do. I've always been about driving, so. The flying thing, I don't want to think about flying. I want to think about the project I got to work on, you know, or I want to think about going out there and booking more work. So I don't, I try not to instill as much fear in myself as possible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel that.
1: I definitely feel that, man. So, I mean, it's September 10th right now when we're recording this, but September 15th is a, I mean, it's a pivotal date in especially your life it's the it's going to be the 25th anniversary of Angus so I I want to get into the I want to get into Angus pretty deep because that's the so you were the first person I've ever heard of that has made it out of Kenosha right and I remember being a kid I was born in 88 so in 95 I was you know I was like eight so I was young but I wasn't so young that I wouldn't remember things like that right and i just remember right. my god my godmother is like a huge movie buff and she like put me on to so many different movies and this is the reason why i love movies to to this day uh and i just remember her always saying like man angus like angus the guy in angus is from kenosha and it just was one of those things that always stuck with me and like through the years people talk about like mark ruffalo and all that stuff but to me i'm like no but the og is Angus, Charlie Talbert is the OG from Kenosha. So uh, I wanna know like what, what that experience was like. I know you were discovered at the Oasis, like mm-hmm. how, how was that for you? Was it something that you always wanted to do as a kid or is it something that kind of just, you know, you were
0: hanging out one day and it just fell in your lap? <clears throat> uh, yeah, it, it, it fell in my lap. Well, First of all, is your godmama still around? She is not, unfortunately well love to god mom um mm-hmm. that's awesome uh yeah man so so i, I yeah we were I, I i'm not sure if you're familiar with the old uh car shop that's on the corner of 63rd and 11th uh, ruffalo and Elon, mm-hmm. um right across the street from bain park so i lived on i lived on 11th like half a block down from that away from the park and uh pretty much everybody i know used to work over at tony ruffalo's place and w- I eventually got a job there, and, you know, and I would do odd things like, you know, sweeping, went to car cleaning, went to, you know, helping him out when I could. And, and we would go down to the velodrome and he was really active and still was very active in the cycling, the velodrome, the whole world of, uh, you know, the uh, United States Cycling Federation. And we went down to the Lake Forest, Illinois, uh, velodrome to, to uh, definitely support our friend, Amy Tramelling, uh rest her soul. She, she used to cycle. And she was—I <clears throat> want to say she was prepping because I remember we went to Olympic tryouts. I think it was a few years later, uh, down in Colorado. But we stopped at the, the Wendy's, and and uh, I was like, "I'm pretty hungry." We stopped over at Wendy's, and T- Tony got us all food. But I was waiting in line, and a friend of mine—I think I think it was Christina Blau—was working behind the counter, and I was making her laugh, and it was like. Probably like something like 30, 35 people in this Lake Forest Oasis. And up there and the Oasis basically is restaurants that are above the freeway. <clears throat> and uh, I'm at the Wendy's and there's the people at the 31 Flavors. And I'm telling jokes and I'm, I can't remember the joke I was telling. But there's this guy down the line going like, hey, why is it taking so long to get my food? I'm starving. It's midnight, you know. He looks around and there's a chunky old me, you know, just telling jokes and trying to use my charm. And uh, so long story short, he comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, you, you're pretty funny. You want to be in a movie? And I, uh, we've been looking for this guy for a few years. And I'm like, are you hitting on me? Like, what's going on here, man? You know? And he's like, why would you say that? I'm like, well, it's near Chicago. I got titties. You know, you want me to be in a movie? Uh, it's kind of weird, you know? And he's like, no, 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 no. I did this movie called Space Invaders and we've been looking for this character and he kind of told me who the character was. And he's like, well can you come down to Planet Hollywood you know on Wednesday uh, the casting director's name is Jane Alderman and she casts the movie Rudy and I'm like Rudy I, you know, I love the movie Rudy you know and so I did that first of all I went home and I was like mom I'm going to be in a movie she said shut up go to bed and I said okay then I convinced her it was all real told her about the dude uh, I'm like mom we got to go meet a strange man I met it on the freeway you know <laughs> let's go let's go do it so somehow she fell for it we went down um, I went in and he's like, go ahead and read your sides, man. And I'm like, "What? what's, this, what, what's the sides? And if you don't know what sides are there, there's mini scripts, you know, so you can look at your scenes without being too distracted by the paper. And uh, he goes, what do you mean? What's the sides? And I'm like, hi. And he goes, oh, you're the kid I found in the Wendy's. I'm like, yeah. So we chatted. He had me do a couple impersonations, you know, because that's what I told him I like to do. And. And uh, he's like, have you ever acted before? I was like, I've done school plays a whole bunch. And I've slept in every school in Kenosha, which I normally do before I I had a play or something like that, because my family was always friends with the janitors. So they would like set me up with a cot or whatever and be like, cool. So, uh, you know, I slept in Durkee before they got rid of it. You know, (laughs) Trimper, Ruth or Bradford, you name it, I slept in it. And, uh, (laughs) And so I went back uh he said do me a favor come back in a couple of weeks you know or come back next week learn these lines and we'll see what we can do and then i realized he wasn't going to be there so i thought it was done and i was like oh, so, you know the one guy that liked me the one guy that thought something ain't that just my luck? darn kids from kenosha never get any, you know <laughs> and so i went back i put i she she put me on tape they sent it out i got a week a couple weeks later i get a call saying hey would you like to come out to california we'll fly you we'll give you uh like you know 80 bucks a day so you just have some spending money and we'll put you up in Santa Monica by the ocean and you know we'll have you come in and read and I'm like "Eh, yeah let's do that (laughs) so me and my mom went out and uh uh, we got to we got to LA we stayed at the Radisson and there's a scene in Angus where I danced with a blow-up doll so we went down to the pier and I bought one or I won one of those uh like blow-up dumbbells the fake you know weights you know from back in the day and I used that as my doll and we went in I think it was the next day we went in and I, I'm walking into the, the casting office and I see like Whoopi Goldberg walking by me and I'm like, comic like, relief, jumping jacks, like, oh, burglar, like, you know, I'm like, I'm like flipping out. I'm like, oh my gosh, Whoopi. And then I see like um, all these different actors, you know, I even saw Ethan Saple, but I didn't know who he was at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in and they, they put me in this little casting room uh, and I'm sitting there. And and it's uh, Richard Hicks was a casting associate and Ronnie Eskel was a casting director and I'm just sitting in and they bring Chris in, Chris Owen, who is my co-star in Agus, and they, they sit us down and there's a camera set up and they're like, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have you guys read some lines, but can you give us a few minutes? Well what we didn't know as we're sitting there finishing each other's jokes and having a great time is all of them, all the producers, the casting director, the director, they're all in the other room watching a live feed of mm. that room. And, which is creepy, but awesome because it worked out. But they were watching the live feed of the room and they came back in. And they're like, Hey, look, we're not going to read today. Do you mind if we just give you $200 and send you guys to Disneyland to see you to get along? And maybe we'll pick this up again on Thursday. And we're like, I was like, I look at Chris and Chris looked at me. I'm like, Who the hell is not going to get along in the happiest place on earth with $200 in their pocket? And they're like, Well, do you want it? And I'm like, No, 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 I'm not stopping. I'm in, you know, I'm a welfare kid. Give me two hundred bucks, put me in Disneyland. Let's do it. I ain't gonna happen again. And uh, so we went down, had a great day, came back, and then they brought James Vanderbeek into the room and we didn't really click with him, which they loved, and he was really talented and it was just great. And and then like I went back home to Wisconsin and nothing for like three weeks, four weeks, nothing. And I'm just like, well, I guess I didn't have it. I'm going to have to work at the local, maybe Becker's still hiring. I don't know, you know. And uh, so I get a call from Patrick Reed Johnson, the director, who's still to this day one of my really good friends. And he goes, hey, man, I'm I'm really, really sorry. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time coming out to, to audition and stuff like that. But uh, I'm afraid you're going to have to spend the next four months with us. And I was like, well, I guess, that wait, wait, what? <laughs> and uh that was it man that was it
1: awesome oh man so you and chris owen you guys hit it off like right from the jump huh
0: yeah i just actually finished the pitch for uh with a buddy of mine my my buddy chris heiliger you're, you're gonna find out a lot of my best friends for life are named chris like mm. i was friends with chris sheldon in school you know all this all these chrises are always there you know and uh i just finished an animated uh series pitch with like a lot of really talented actors like uh, Jared Bankins from Looking for Alaska and Writing on Bathroom Walls, uh, Jeff Pope uh, from Happen Leonard, uh, which I worked on, Todd Gebenhine, Michelle Prada from Vita, uh, Jackie Tone from Glow is going to jump on at some point once we get going. But Chris and his now wife uh, just lent their voices uh, to the cartoon pitch and the table read. So I'm really I'm really jazzed. We just sent it out overseas uh Monday. So oh, wow. it's called the Dream Team Machines. You know why it's the Dream Team Machines? I didn't come up with the name, but it's all my friends working together. So it's definitely the Dream Team.
1: Mm, awesome, man. Yeah, that sounds dope, man. Hopefully everything goes good with that, man. Hey, I got my fingers crossed for you too. So twenty five years. How's it, how's it feel that, you know, we're approaching, you know, that milestone in a couple days here for Angus?
0: 20 years was a big one for me. You know, a lot of interviews and stuff like that went down. Um, 25 years for me, it really, it, it doesn't, it's not as impactful because Angus is so much part of my life that it's like, you can't separate the two. So I'm always celebrating it and I'm always hating it. You know, every time I go into a room and I don't book it. And I get that rejection or whatever, I'm just like, it's just you and me, Angus. We can do this, you know. So he's always there with me. You know, it's been a big big life change. I moved down here to the southeast to get back into the film business because I quit after uh, Art School Confidential. I decided I wanted to get married. I wanted to have children. I accidentally married a child she was way too young you know mm. and we just after a while it just didn't really work so we just decided we were really good friends and and we broke that off and uh but we're still super good friends so we just did it wrong and that was the conversation I had with her when we split and uh and I I, I was working for um in the meantime I was a Habitat I used to work for Joseph Bay Bank Clothiers and At one point, I was, you know, assistant uh, regional manager for loss prevention for all 26 stores. And I've always been into clothing. In fact, when I left uh, after high school, at the end of high school, I told my grandma I'd be back in two weeks. I moved to California, fell in love with a girl that found me on the Internet back in 1997, moved up to San Jose and got a job as a haberdasher at Rep Limited Big and Tall. And then when that was dying down, the assistant manager, who I was a co-assistant with, said, Hey man like you know and I heard Chris Owens voice on the radio for October Sky and I was like you know what I was gonna go back to Wisconsin but I think I need to go down to LA and he he was like let me give you 500 bucks man let me help you out and he gave me 500 bucks I got in the car moved back down and Chris Owens voice dropped and I was like, all right, man, let's do it. I mean, we've worked on 14 projects together here and there. And, it, and I lived with Chris for like 14 years after that. It was, it was really awesome, you know. And uh, so it's, it's always a part of me, you know. So I celebrate it every day, you know. 25 years, holy cow. That just puts my life in perspective. It just goes, Charlie, you're getting old. And then I look at my gray hair and I go, yeah, but play into it. You no longer have a baby face so much you know i still have a baby face, but i don't have you know i'm 42 you know i 10 years older you know so it's just one of those things where i'm like trying to play into that age i'm like yeah hair thin out a little bit more thin out you can do it you're not angus anymore you're not a funny fat kid you're not this go in there and kill it and that's what's been happening down here in the southeast and my buddy chris berry all these chris's from uh Django on chain uh, 12 Years a Slave. Uh, he's in the new show, Your Honor. We're both are with Brian Cranston that's coming out on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in Salem. He had been working down here and he was working on Django and Unchained and he had been an actor for 14 years uh, prior to moving here in 09. And we met on a movie called, it was my second movie and it was called Hollywood Horror. And it turned out that was just like a tax write-off. But he, he and I became best friends. And he said, dude, you gotta come to New Orleans. There's work down here. And so as soon as Joseph A. Bank got bought out by uh um, men's warehouse, I said, screw it. I loaded up the car, sold everything off in the apartment for, in two weeks, and I blind moved here. And like four days later, I was working on the big short, you know, Oh wow. after a 66-year hiatus.
1: Oh, wow. So <laughs> how how is how is it in new Orleans? Is it dry? Thri- it's thriving down there then I I've, I've noticed there is kind of like, it seems to be a surge in like Southern film production.
0: Well, I would tell you, uh, honestly, Corey, if you, if you look like me, if you're overweight, uh, if you, if you play into kind of character styles that I play into, no, it's really dry. There's not a lot of work. Don't come down here.
1: <laughs> I feel that. Mm. I, I definitely feel that
0: but yeah no it's 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 been a good move i mean since i've been down here i think i've worked on 15 projects but i've worked on for me even though they're smaller roles down here i work on smaller roles but i get in larger projects dream projects man i mean when when watchman came out in oh they were doing casting still in like late or early 09 for watchman um or late 08 I was like begging my manager. I'm like, please, please get me in on this movie. It's me. you know, mm. and, uh, and then, you know, I get a call last year and my agent's like, Hey, um, they want you to read uh for fat man and crowd for this project. It's called uh, Brooklyn. And I'm like, I don't want to be Fat Man and Cry. I am Fat Man and crowd I don't want to be that. And she's like, no, you probably want to be that. I'm like, no, 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 she's like, it's the Watchman." I said, okay, Batman's <laughs> on his way, you know? So I got there and I go into this little room and it's the casting director, uh, Megan Lewis, who's just phenomenal. She has really, you know, the casting director down here, the casting directors are very personable, but they're still doing their job and they're still, you know, they're straight professional. And uh, so I go into the room. I do an audition for a guy uh, who's in episode four, I think. And he sees Amy Smart coming out, and he looks over and he goes, "Hey, why are you arresting him? He's a hero." And then she says something to him. And he's like, "You're a bitch," you know. He he swears at her. And uh, so I changed it up a bit, and I I was like, you know, I played it more serious. And I was like, "Why? Why? Why? Hey, why are you arresting him? He's a hero, you know." And and they're standing around, and I'm like, "It's not right. It's not fair." It's not fair. And it's just me in this little room going, it's not fair. It's not fair. And the director's like, Attica. Attica. Whoa. You know, Stephen Williams. And I leave and I find out I don't get the part. Uh, but then I get a call not even a week later saying, yeah, they want you for a bigger part. And I was like, mm. ah, you know, Watchmen. And then I got to work with Giovanna Depo and Regina King. And and I'm sitting there and Regina King is standing there with me and I go, you know, you know when you feel good, Regina? And she goes, when I mean about your career, she goes, when I go, I don't know if you're ever going to know this feeling, but it's when you're trading lines with Regina King, hmm. and it was just really cool, man. I, I got to see the reveal of uh, my episode that day, uh, this extraordinary being, uh, episode six, and I just cried like a little boy. I was like, Are you kidding me? I'm up part of it. you know, and it just it shook my world, so it's you know. So I don't even remember the original question, but I just feel so much like energy to all that. I think it's because we're living in this weird time that is now reflecting and mirroring what's going on, you know?
1: Mm. No, I definitely feel that. So it, it seemed like you were kind of not necessarily in awe, but definitely like had a, like a realization when you were working with Regina King. And I mean, you've worked with tons of big name. I mean, you, I mean, you work with Kathy Bates, man. So, Like out of everyone that you've maybe encountered or worked with, or maybe even just got to see work, who is your favorite person that you you've encountered up close and personal?
0: God, man, it's really hard to say. I I mean, everybody is a different level of favorite for me. I mean, Chris Owen is definitely my favorite because he was my entrance into this world. You know, everybody that worked on Angus is definitely my favorite. I mean, In Angus, I got to work with the director of Empire Strike Back, Irvin Kirshner. You know, that's who plays chess with my grandpa. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I got to work with George C. Scott, who worked with not only Amazing himself, as soon as he said my name, I go, General Patton knows my name, but he worked with Peter Sellers. You know, it's just like mind blowing that I've entered this world. I mean, I had this cool moment once I was working on a show uh, called Who's Your Daddy, directed by Andy Fickman. And it was like one of those teen comedies and it had like Wayne Newton and William Atherton, the bad guy from Ghostbusters, you know, and then Die Hard. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's William Atherton. You know, I, I even got excited about the principal uh, in Angus who actually worked on Doogie Hauser before that because I was a huge Doogie fan, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is too much. I, I tell you, I will tell you the first time I froze up that, and I just like locked up and could not handle it. There's a movie called... Uh, Art School Confidential, directed by Terry Zwigoff, And it was actually one of the last films I did before I stepped out of the acting thing. Um, and it had Ethan Supley and it had uh, Angelica Houston and Steve Buscemi and a really killer cast. And um, and uh, I, I, I go in, I audition, it's a Saturday night and the casting director says to me, she goes, oh my God, sweetheart, I, I just gave the part to Ethan Supley. And I was just like, wow, because we had such a good audition, she was kind of like, it would have really been nice to see us both again to figure out which way to go. And uh, I was like, I was like, that's awesome. I love Ethan Simpli, you know, he's always been super dope. He's like a, you know, somebody I, I always like, you know, I'm always impressed with and I always watch and, and she goes, she goes, well, and I go, listen, there's a character in the movie that plays Ethan Suplee's mini-me, which is like a mini Kevin Smith-ish, you know, Ethan Suplee mix. I'd really love to do that character. And she's like, all right, yeah, let me see what I can do. Three weeks go by, nothing. I mean, I made her cry in the audition. I I was like, come on, come on, you know? And so I, I call my manager, who is still my manager to this day, Beverly Strong. I love her very deeply. Um, and she, she, I go, did we never hear anything back about art school confidential? And she goes, no. I said, you know what? Give me the cast director's number now. And she's like, no, we don't do that. And I go, look, you're going to have to give it to me or I'm going to let you go. I'm going to find somebody who's going to give it to me. Cause I was really out of it and it was the dumbest move and it turned out to be an awesome move. Um, and she, I, I said, look, you can can me, you can get rid of me if this fails epically. And she goes, okay if you're gonna take that kind of chance i said cool so i call casting because i have a friend that works in the office and sure as heck guess who picked up it's the casting director and i'm on speakerphone i don't know this and i'm like oh hey and she's like charlie why are you calling i'm like well remember that audition i had and we got emotional it was great and i wanted this part you're shooting on monday and i i didn't hear anything and she goes she goes Well, I didn't want to slap you in the face by giving you a lesser role to Ethan Suplee, your friend. And I was like, oh, you smack me in the face. You can step on my balls with heels. I don't care what you do. I got to work on this movie. And I hear laughter in the background. And it's two familiar laughs, or one familiar laugh and one I don't know. It was Terry's off the director, and it was John Malkovich. They were in the room talking with the cast director about something. And I hear Terry go, "Uh uh-oh, I hear, hold on, John charlie and i go yeah he goes it's terry and i'm like hey terry i'm like i'm fucked i'm losing my manager it's all over and he goes show up to set on monday you got the part Mm -hmm. and yeah and i i I go to set and there's john melkovich i could not speak it took me about six hours to work up the nerves to be like Hey, thanks for being there. So I'm in awe with so many of these people that like you touched my world when I was growing up. And, And that's why I do this. This is why I'm in the business is if I can make somebody laugh or cry when they need to cry or just feel something or get something out when they need to get it, especially now, you know, it just, that's why I do this. And that's worth all the rejection for that one yes that touches that one person like i just worked on teenage bounty hunters and i, I got like 300 new followers in the last couple of weeks for that on uh instagram at uh, charlie talbert performer and i but but there was an instagram that they all went to which was a fake instagram for the character richard Koontz one mm. uh from that show who's a teacher i'm not gonna ruin why they all went to that instagram but then they came and found me and they were like oh man i had a teacher just like you and this is crazy. Of course, there were a few people that like, are the girls here? Because I wanted to talk to the yeah, you know. but it was it's that thing that really it was like a gift. And, and there was a one moment I worked on uh, Who's Your Daddy, which I was going to mention, where I was working with Dave Thomas from um, SCTV, and him and Eugene Levy had came by, and he, and they both said to me when we were hanging out, and they go, God, you really remind me of John Candy. He, you know, he was just an actor who happened to be big. And I had always emulated Chris Farley. In hell, I, I worked on Chris's brother's show uh, a month before he died, and you know, I still have Chris's jacket from Beverly Hills Ninja, the one where it's all tiger striped, and it was actually created by Greg Nicotero, and he saw it and flipped. But I was just like, "This is it. This is this is the joy that I get. You know, this is this is everything I ever wanted." And no matter what, that's again why I celebrate Angus like every day. You know.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, it really has, I mean, it it touched a lot of people. The story, the story itself of the film is a, it's a great story. It's kind of, it's really heartwarming as well. And I mean, I, I'm sure it, a lot of people can relate, uh, you know, to the life that he kind of had, you know, not everyone's perfect. Not know everyone always gets the girl, um, or at least thinks they can get the girl, you know, but, uh, you know, if you, if you persevere and you kind of just like, like, you know, Angus's grandpa always says, you know, forget what everybody else says and what everybody else thinks. And you just, you know, do, be yourself and do you, you can make it through pretty much, you know, make it through anything. Yeah. And I mean, I personally kind of live by that. So, you know, going back and rewatching the film again, you know, and I've seen the movie, I, countless times but you know watching it i haven't again seen recently, it is it good or it's really good and you know honestly and it's so it's my birthday today i turned 32 so i'm a grown man. happy like, birthday hey thanks i appreciate it but as a grown man i still was finding myself getting emotional at, at times in the film you know um and those are the types of movies that i love not just because of like the nostalgic. Uh, feelings that you get from the movie, but it's actually like, it's a very, very good film, you know, um, that can, anything that can pull emotion out of you is something that I respect, you know? Um, so to see that the movie after 25 years holds up, can still, you know, be a tear jerker at times, but then also make you feel really, really good. Um, and then also make you like cherish the friends that you have. Um, You know, it's it's a classic. It's timeless. And I'm so, so glad and happy that someone from Kenosha is attached to it because it's it's one of those films that you can be like, hey, man, like I talk to people. I've been going around asking people if they've seen the movie. A lot of people have have seen it, but there's some younger people that maybe haven't seen it. And I tell them what it's about and I've had people come back to me saying that they've seen it now they're like, man, I can't believe I've, I've never seen this. And it's like, Oh man, that guy's from Kenosha. So it's, it's one of those things. And you know, the community here, you know, it's, it's a real tight knit place. Um, And people love to support, you know, what we have going on here, whether it be like local businesses or entertainers and stuff like that. So um, it's one of those things where it's, it's a, Great film to be able to be like, hey man, like you want to see something really dope that has somebody from Kenosha in it. That's not the Avengers because the Avengers is super cool too. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but if you want to see like an actually good a good film that was made, um, check that out. So, man, yeah. so with 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 everything you have going on now, like you said, like you're on Teenage Bounty Hunters. You have a few things that are in the work right now. Like, is there a specific thing that you're you're looking f- looking for? Are you gonna remain on the actors uh, actor side of the thing? Are you looking? I know you're, you know, involved with a new project. Are you looking at more of becoming a producer in the future? Do you ever, you know, even see you throwing your hat in the ring as being a director or anything like that?
0: I do see my hat. <clears throat> I do see my hat in the ring as a director at some point in the world. But it's not, producing and directing is not, I mean, I used to have a show called The Charlie Talbert Show on CBS Mobile, but this was like back in 2008. I remember like sleeping in my office next to The Ferguson Show and stealing their guest stars. And I remember when Obama got elected. I mean, I was sleeping at CBS to learn how to edit all this stuff. I love being creative and I love giving my friends work because so many friends have given me work, uh, especially my friend Vera, Farrah West. She's given me a ton of work. Um, and I taught her how to roller skate in one of my friend's houses, you know, back in the day, and now she's a casting director, so she always brings me in, and it's about that community of just building and working with your friends, and I remember all the way through the 90s, all of us really working together. Like, we were all doing stuff together, no matter what the movie was, and people would find out we were friends, and they'd be like, oh yeah, bring him in, bring him in, you know, and usually we were doing this stuff together. Um, it's, right, right now, it's just about the performing, and it's about changing up the persona, you know. I, I've I, people have always seen me as the funny fat guy, but if you look at me, I don't have the fat guy neck. And guess what you shoot when you're shooting a movie? Right here, here. It doesn't really sell too much. So it was nice coming down here that my roles don't revolve around my size, and that's that's a real big thing because it allows me to give different sides of myself. You know, I like to I like to aim and shoot towards a general direction in the same ballpark of John Candy and Steven Root. You know, I'm a chameleon. Every time you see me, I'm a little bit different. But it's it's par for the course for what we're working on. And it, you know, it doesn't take away, but it only adds to the story. And I'm finding a lot of that beauty in these these uh, these other roles, these ancillary roles in films, because you're the stepping stone to what people need. And and it's just. It's been great. I mean, I just worked with Barry Jenkins, um, who directed, you know, Moonlight and uh, and uh, just writing in and, in and, 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 uh, If Beale Street Could Talk and and I I had been auditioning for that since July of last year, and when I finally worked out in March, dude, I was just again just a ball of tears, and that's how much I enjoy doing all this stuff, you know, and and I'm really looking forward to that coming out, um, and and I, now what I do is, whenever I'm going to work on something that's based on a book, I will read that book from cover to cover before I ever put myself on tape for it. So there's really cool stuff that I want to continue doing the performing in front of the camera. But I'm sure at some point I'm going to direct something because I I have fun putting all my friends together. I mean, we just got a cat. I just put. We started working on this animated series literally three days after I went into quarantine on the 11th of March. And we just finished a full pitch trailer. We just finished a full table read with 22 different cast members. A lot of them were brilliant credits. And it's just because they said, hey, do you want to do something cool? And they did. You know, so that's, that's really what it's about for me. It's just about the collaboration. If they want me to do something else and not act, they want me to do something, but I'm still helping somebody's vision, somebody's dream come true. And this vision for the animated series wasn't mine. It was my buddy, Chris Heiliger, who happened to be, A reverend at my wedding, you know, and friend of a friend. And now we've been like, you know, 15 year long friends, and he trusts me enough to take his idea and roll with it. So I want to be everywhere where I can reach out and give virtual hugs to everyone who needs it.
1: Nice. Yeah, that sounds good. And I mean, that kind of is becoming more and more the model nowadays, too, you know, especially with like social media. you know i'm kind of coming up in it so it's a little different for me you know it's not more of a transition for me it's more of this is the game so play the game this way um being you know kind of we'll say on the analog side of things and now into the digital uh realm how is it you know how is it are things a lot different especially when it comes to auditioning trying to even find roles um different types of people that you're able to work with and then also is it is it does it seem to be more abundant seeing as there's it's a little easier to produce things nowadays depending on what kind of platform they end up on now we have like the digital platforms that are creating a lot of content and stuff like that too and the streaming services on top of the big cable networks and stuff
0: well, I would tell you to answer that question, it's like a double sided coin. A, I'm not in the room when they're deciding who they're gonna see based on their numbers for social media. I mean, I only have like eighteen hundred followers, eighteen hundred and sixty four followers, you know. But it, it it's one of those things where I'm just trying to share what's going on in my world with social media. But keep in mind though. 2008, I was producing phone content for Verizon, for CBS, and I beat Letterman and I beat, uh, uh, I beat out Big Brother, you know, and I- I've been there kind of since the beginning of social media, but I, I didn't really, I was trying to stay away from it a lot. I was pushing myself away from it. It was only when I came down here, really, I started exploring my, uh, my online presence uh, I'm not a huge Twitter fan because it's just a little too political for my taste. I have one, uh, but that 's more or less to promote projects or to promote other people's things going on um, I really stick with my Instagram and my Facebook for reaching out to people and and talking to fans but i also i, I don't i think if you've got the if you've got what it takes caliber wise and you write for the part i I think that social media will eventually uh will out in my particular case, because I've been doing it for so long. You know, I've, I've done about 60 projects now. So I have enough of a resume that it's a little easier for me to say, you know, for my agents to say, oh, this is Charlie, he was a child actor. He's doing this now, he's been in this, he's been in that. I mean, since I've lived here, I've worked on, uh, you know, now with, with uh, three Oscar winning or nominated directors. And it's, I'm not worried. I know that there's a bunch of people that are, you know, that have to rely on the social media nowadays, but it depends on the project really, you know, what's the meat of the project. Cause I was very distraught when reality TV became a thing. I was like, what happened to doing sitcoms? And, you know, let's go make people laugh for a half hour. I don't want to do reality stuff where it's not, you know, where it's not really scripted. I want to bring the real emotion. And then I found out reality TV is mostly scripted. And I was like, that's, Terrible. That's just taking the acting out of acting, you know. And there's there's a beauty about reaching people. Now we think, oh, that girl's crazy or that guy's, you know, a nutbag or whatever. You know, when we watch reality TV's or why is he doing that? I don't want that. I want to reach out to you and talk about the core of your being, you know. And even when we did the Charlie Halbert show, it was still all of my friends. I hired even my ex girlfriend at the time. I was like, I want you to come in because you're hilarious, you know. And we, we, we do like shorts, three minute shorts of like me doing Lord of the Charlie Potter, where I keep trying to make a Lord of the Ring movie, but it keeps turning into Harry Potter, you know, stuff like that, random thoughts. And then I would just change the idea with like YouTube in my brain. <clears throat> so completely familiar with it. I just was avoiding it because I didn't feel that I need it. And I still kind of feel that I don't need it. But I, I ride the way of a bit for those that on the other end of the camera that want it. Does that, does that answer your question, I hope? Yeah, it definitely does.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> so, cause I, I completely understand that because not necessarily ha- like having the resume is always gonna, it's always gonna kind of help you out. You know, it's like, we know, you know what you're doing. It'll be easier for us. We can just get you in it now. Um, and I, I feel like social media at least in like the early stages, I will say like the the middle stages of uh, the social media adoption it kind of it kind of made things kind of bad for a little for a little bit you know there was a lot of people and, and this is just as a consumer I'll say this there was a lot of people that kind of were put in positions or given certain jobs and roles that probably weren't ready for them and there was a lot of content that was produced that was not that good there are some though that have kind of worked their way through got the necessary training and stuff like that and are doing really great so i feel like we're starting to like balance it back out which is really really cool cool to see Yeah, i
0: think i think that people once they got on set and they realized that it was uh you really do got to put in the time and the work to sustain it that's why we're seeing more of a balance. And those people that were the pioneers that were switching from social media into the, the performing arts world, um, they got taught a hard lesson really quick and they were able to pass that on to the next generation that's been you know, saying, okay, I do gotta know my stuff. I've gotta be ready. So we are getting some really cool undiscovered talent that come through and that's great. I wish we had that back in the day, but then also again, I don't wish we had that because, I, maybe my world would have been different, you know, maybe I, you know, I I wouldn't be doing what I do, you know, I, maybe I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, you know, and I, I, I embraced both social media as well as uh, embrace the traditional form from my era of performing arts and before my era, because I grew up on everything pre-me, you know, <laughs> pre- pre-me existing in the, in the, in the film world, and I never had my sights set on acting or anything like that, but I knew I was destined to do something to entertain people. I even tried my hand at. Uh, that's how I got back into acting. Was um, I? Uh, I was my buddy Dan Smith. He, he right now he uh, he runs a, a, a video game company, which uh, I'm I i can not really talk about right now. But he he, he runs a video comp- company overseas that's hugely popular all over the world. And uh, he he and I became friends. He's been in the industry forever. And I woke up one morning. I'm completely naked. My room is half mirrors and I stood up and I was like you know when you have a beautiful relationship with a girl when she's looking at you and you're looking at her and you guys make that special eye contact and she's just like right there you know like 15 tables away with her husband and kids and stuff you know and I and I went through this whole 5 minute routine and I stood up and I'm still naked you know I'm, I'm and I'm like I remember all the little cliches and movies and TVs growing up. Just picture everybody naked. So I did it. I stood up naked. And I I did this five-minute routine. I was like, that was really fun to do. And I ran over. To, I threw a towel on, and I ran across our, our apartment complex, you know, in Cuenca. And I was like, Dan, wake up! I got something funny. I think we should do stand-up comedy. And for three days, we worked on it. And for the next two weeks, I did forty open mics. Like I was going uh-huh. to like four or five a night just to see if I really liked it. And I bombed so hard half the time, and I killed the other half, but I enjoyed when I bombed, and I was like, I got to get back into the entertainment. So I think if I hadn't done uh, Angus, I think maybe I would have ended up doing stand-up comedy of some sort. I probably would have ended up in Second City. There's still part of me that wanted to end up in Second City. You know, there was part of me that wanted to end up in SNL. That never flipped in the cards, but it was one of those things where it was like, there's something about entertaining that it's just in me. and and there's so much crazy stuff that's happened to me throughout my life. I told a joke in a Wendy's and now I'm here. Like, that's ridiculous. I have to share this with people. You know, it's, it, you never know when you're feeling down, you're feeling blue, the world is locked up and you're all wearing face masks and people are, you know, fighting for their rights their their God given rights and, and all this stuff. They're still good. No matter what it's going to come. You know, so just keep your head up, keep trucking forward, and it's coming. You just don't know when it's coming. Even when it's the darkest, you never know how bright it's going to be the next morning.
1: Mm, No, I definitely feel that, man. That's great. Those are wise words and very, very true. It's worked for you. Honestly, it's worked for me as well. So, I mean, if you just keep on keeping on, eventually things will just open up and you'll be doing what you, you know, you've always wanted to do. So, Charlie, before we get out of here, man, is there anything else that you want to touch base on? Any, any shouts outs, anything like that, that you want to do?
0: Oh God. Well, shout out to you, of course. Shout out to Justin, my cousin. You know, uh, I shout out to, you know, Kim and Frank Carmichael have always been there for me. Shout out to everybody I'm working with. Shout out to my, shout out to everybody. You know, this has been a tough bandy and, and, and it's people are, doing their darndest to to cope and get through. And all I gotta say is shout out to you for being brave and sticking it out, and being alone when you had to be alone, when you wanted to be with people, you know, and just remember, be safe, be smart, you know, and we'll get through this. And remember the fun thing about dark times, once they're over, you can make fun of them so hard. Are you kidding me? The stuff I've done in Pandy is weird. It's weird, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I can't explain it anymore, but it's, it's been, like there's stories that are coming out of this, you know, no, no matter what, but there's stories that come out of everything. So look at the upside of it. So shout out to, to everyone.
1: Definitely. Well, man, thank you so much, Charlie. I definitely appreciate you taking some time out, talking to us here. Um, if you ever need anything at all, man, just hit me up, man. And if you're ever in Kenosha stopping by, Let's link up, and uh, I'm sure we can get some people to uh, give us some drinks or some burgers or something.
0: Well, let's take a quick snap to do a smile, I'll post it on my Insta. All
1: right, yeah, awesome.
0: Done. Nice. Done. Awesome, Dude, man. This, this is awesome. I had such a good time hanging out with you today. Yeah, man, I saw I you at Bjorn's.
1: Yeah, I got a new suit, man. Like I, so it's funny. It's it's crazy, the amount of support that I've been getting, but it's even crazier how much like people actually pay attention, right? I just like, by chance in a stream, I happen to say like, hey, I'm not the type of person that like wear suits and stuff like that. I just generally like, I generally don't. Um, But then I got asked to give a speech at the Kenosha area Chamber of Commerce, their annual meeting, and I was like, maybe like they, like they said, I don't have to wear a suit. And I was like, taken back. I was like, Oh, they actually watched and they listened. <laughs> that's so great. And I was like, maybe I will wear a suit just because like they actually watched the content. You step uh, it wa- up.
0: You step up your game. You do, you do, you do your mental homework and, and that's, that's, that's what it takes. Man.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I didn't buy the suit randomly Bjorn's. My buddy works at Bjorn's. Uh, He called me. He was like, yeah, someone bought a suit. So if you want to come get fitted, just stop in. I was like, "Uh, all right, for sure. So yeah, they they got me a sweet suit, nice maroon suit. It's nice and fitted. I actually got it hanging up in my closet. Service at Mike Bjorns is fantastic. If anybody ever needs a suit or a tux for a wedding, you definitely want to hit them up. But
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Special shout out to, uh, I forgot, my cousin, Dean Tallwater, he does a lot of the artwork for the signage and the, you know, the murals downtown. Uh, You know, I know he was having trouble, you know, making sure his business was staying safe, but he was really tore up about all of his, you know, fellow community and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when he shared that with me, it really, it really hit home. Um, It's so weird that you can disassociate so much stuff you know, because you're trying to figure it out on your own. But when you're not there, it's a different world. So, so much love to like a special shout out to everybody in Kenosha because it, it's been a really rare and tough time, you know, and the fact that everybody comes together is it's just, it means the world to me. So my love to you guys.
1: Definitely. Yeah, that's what we do here, man. We're going to get through it. And uh the next time you stop home, man, I guarantee I mean, there's no replacing the Danish Brotherhood, but I'm sure we'll right. have something beautiful that will be in its stead. So thank you so much, Charlie, man. I appreciate you stopping by and, you know, giving us some time here. Like I said, if you ever need anything in the future, just let me know. We'll definitely help you out however, however we can. Uh, but until then, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the O Word podcast, and we will catch you in the next one. Peace. O oh, Word? <laughs> Oh, nice.